Moments ago, the Democratic Party in the Senate just ended their opening arguments in the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. In the past few days of their opening arguments, they get, I believe, 16 hours total uh, to make those arguments. I thought they were brilliant. And you know me, I'm a, a willing critic of the Democratic Party. I thought their opening arguments were not only impassioned, but thorough, professional, and meticulous, insightful, uh, well-prepared, well-conceived, and they rightly integrated um, video and audio and imagery in a way that is very 2021 and just super smart and powerful for their presentation, as opposed to uh, Donald Trump's team, which was just terrible, like of uh, embarrassingly bad, which is kind of their way. But there are, there are two big points that I want to make as we go forward into this impeachment. And I know all of us, myself included, in some ways feel like there are other practical things we have to worry about as we still fight to struggle through the pandemic, through the economic decline through racial injustice and police violence and all of these things. But there are two important stories that I want to unpack that I've seen over the past few days. just want to linger there for a moment. All right. This is Sean King. You are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. I've I've made a point of not spending a whole lot of time over the past few days watching uh, nonstop uh, Senate proceedings. And those things can kind of suck you in. And once you really start, you feel like, okay, I'm committed now, so I have to watch all of it. So I've only been able to watch some of the highlights and some of the videos. I've had a very busy week this week, but I've kept up with all of the different Congress people, the the impeachment managers from the Democratic side, they've all been great. Uh, I would even say exceptional, even just in their in their mastery one by one. But there, there are a few things that stand out to me that I want to lift up. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes I like to start with the good news and then bring the bad or the bad news and bring the good. Um this is kind of, I guess this is kind of in the middle both both ways. I think the first thing is, you know, we saw Officer Eugene Goodman, uh, the black man who led rioters away from, uh, from Congress people on the day of the riot. We now learned, and, and, and in fact, um, Senator Mitt Romney just learned for the first time himself, we're now learning that when Officer Goodman was running away from the mob, he saw Senator Mitt Romney literally walking right to the mob and and literally grabbed him and screamed, run. And all of a sudden, you see Mitt Romney, who was a grandfather, running for his life. And I am convinced of all the critiques I have of Mitt Romney, and you may have them as well, you may recall he was the only Republican, I believe, 
who voted to impeach Donald Trump the first time, I'm convinced that had they gotten a hold, gotten a hold of Mitt Romney, they might have killed that man. I, uh, that mob had worked itself up into such a frenzy that there was nothing stopping them. I mean, they were literally busting through doors, windows, and were chanting that they wanted to literally lynch Mike Pence, kill Nancy Pelosi. And they were pissed that day at a select number of Republicans and all Democrats. And and there's something to me both painful and poetic about Officer Goodman, a black man, in, in a place, in a, in a capital that has devalued black lives and black people and black power and, and, and has done so much harm to black folk across the years that it was this black man himself underpaid, undervalued. It was him, not the Secret Service, not the FBI, but a Capitol Police officer who was basically roaming the damn Capitol all by himself. As, a, as we now see, a lot of officers were literally te- taking selfies and photos and putting on MAGA hats with, with the rioters. We now see... Uh, Eugene Goodman directly leading Mitt Romney away from the mob that would have no doubt gravely injured, harmed, or killed that man. And I know all of us are sometimes frustrated by people in power, but I am, I am grateful for what Eugene Goodman did and his heroism on that day. I, I don't know that there is anybody more heroic in the entire city of Washington, D.C., and the entire Capitol building than him on that day. I mean, he was the damn Forrest Gump of heroism. He was everywhere he could be helping as many people as he could in every bold way he knew how this man was putting his life on the line. Remember, we've heard from other black officers that day saying that people were literally calling them the N-word to their face that officers from other cities and counties across the country were flashing their actual badges to gain admission to the place. And Officer Goodman, a hero, did everything he could to save lives that day. But there's something, there's something poetic, but, it, but also painful about it. I mean, it just, it grieves me that in some ways, yet again, it's like, you know, black people here to save the day, to save the country, to save people. Officer Goodman did what he was supposed to do. I mean, he stood up. He, he, he went the extra mile. And I have, listen, don't mistake me. I have nothing but love and admiration for that man. But black people continue to save the future of this country over and over and over again. and And yet... When we really get down to it, I saw uh, someone on Twitter post recently, you know, we're not seeing in return for all that black people are doing for this country. We're not seeing equality. We're not seeing equity. 
what we're mainly seeing is a lot of black people on Twitter, social media, and the news. And uh, this black woman who, who posted about it, she said, listen, what we're mainly getting is hyper exposure of black people, but we're not getting equality. We're not getting, we're not getting freedom. We're not getting a radical shift in the system. People aren't actually addressing the root causes of problems for black people in this country. Instead, we're just seeing, you know, Officer Goodman's face everywhere. You know, God bless him. But what we're really asking for and demanding is something deeper than seeing Stacey Abrams' face everywhere. Thank you. I, I, you know, I respect and admire Stacey Abrams but we actually want to see voting rights. You know, it's not enough just to show images and videos and interviews of black people everywhere. We actually want freedom and equality. Which takes me to the second point. There is this implication, this subtext going on right now that it that is saying something to the effect of like Thank God those white supremacists and bigots and Trump supporters didn't do more damage. I agree with that sentiment. But implied in this is that it's all over. And it's not over. Not only did the overwhelming majority of men and women who participated in this attack, not only did the overwhelming majority of them get away and have not been arrested to this very day, but the very systems and structures of white supremacy and white power that undergirded and supported and empowered them is still here. That hasn't changed. Trump is still a, a, a privileged ex-president sitting in Florida, ready to organize people however he can. And while in some ways I think white supremacy took a blow on that day, took an L on that day, um, they're not gone. White power, white privilege, white supremacy is not gone. They are still here. And we have to be careful that we don't reduce the miracle that senators and congresspeople weren't killed on that day, on January 6th, that we don't reduce the miracle that more lives weren't taken, that we don't reduce that in, in such a way that we forget or overlook the threat that's still there. It is still there. And what's disturbing is, if you have seen Republicans in the Senate, they are the jury in this case. They don't care. They're not moved. Outside of Mitt Romney and maybe a few other senators, they're not moved at all. As you know, most of them even voted against even having this impeachment trial. And even with this horrible, compelling evidence of their supporters literally wearing Trump hats with Trump flags, chanting Trump's slogans as they entered the Capitol, some of them literally getting on the phone and say, saying, can we call Trump now? That they're st- they still want to deny that Trump incited this. Of course he incited it. It's in some ways, I wish that the jury could be on trial and many men like Josh, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz 
they also incited this. And just to ask them, who do you think the mob was inspired by? Who do you think they were doing this in the name of? Who do you think they were doing this to honor? Name the, name names. Describe it. Because it is clear from every video, every photo, every audio clip, they were there for Trump on behalf of Trump. In fact, now many of them that are in police and, and FBI and federal custody are now saying, yeah, we did this for Trump. We thought this is what he wanted us to do. And of course they did. And, and how could they not? In some ways, after you're being told by sitting senators and the president of the United States that the election, that votes themselves were stolen from you, what did you expect people to do? In fact, what should people do if that's what really happened? If the election for president of the United States was stolen, how should people respond? And, and what we're experiencing is people responded the way they thought they should, like crazy folk. Because Trump and Cruz and Hawley and others were feeding them a steady stream of lies. There's a lot ahead. I've got to run, but I'm proud of Officer Goodman. I'm tired at the continued reliance on black people to save the day without real compensation for the commitment of black people to this country to this land, to its future. And I need everybody, every Democrat to understand this thing's not over, not even a little bit. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a brand new podcast that I love a lot. And it's not because there's a woman that I love who is the co-host, my dear wife, Ray, but she is co-hosting a brilliant, important, essential podcast called Woke at Work with Dr. Blanca Ruiz. It's an amazing podcast about women of color in the workplace and all of the unique challenges and opportunities and sophistications. And they have brilliant interviews and they unpack the myriad of issues what it really means to be a woman of color in leadership in the workplace and so much more. You spell it W-O-C at work. W-O-C at work. Women of color at work. Search it. It's on all of the platforms now. It's getting amazing reviews and I want you to check it out. <laughs>